Yes, yes, that's right. It is the Chiefstone Podcast. I am your host, Farzee Masugan. Thank you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefstone Podcast, a jam-packed edition of the Chiefstone Podcast. A lot to talk about in this episode. Uh, so much we're going to touch on here. Uh, some news that took place over the weekend with the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, actually a pair of big things that happened with the Kansas City Chiefs. One uh, highbrow uh, piece of news and one lowbrow. And we'll, we'll get to both of those in just a minute. And then later on, I, I teased this last podcast. I'm going to kind of do a draft preview. Who are some of the uh, who are some of the players the Chiefs could go after? What are some realistic options the Chiefs could get, not just in the first round, but maybe even in the second and third rounds? as potential starters that the Chiefs could draft in this year's draft in the first, with the first couple of picks. We'll get to that later on in the podcast as well. And we'll all, I'll spray the Super Bowl. Of course, it's Super Bowl week. Falcons, Patriots down in Houston. Uh, it, kind of an interesting matchup too, uh, which I'll touch on later. And of course, I'm going to do the prop bets. Uh, talk about a couple of them. I'll give you, I'll give you guys my take and uh, what I'm going to vote for, what I think will happen the most. I'm not a big gambling guy, but I do like to read the spreads and the money lines and all that stuff. I, I think it's really fascinating how they come up with all of that. And now when it comes to Super Bowl week, they put together these fun prop bets for fans to, to get involved with. Uh, just to just to really get at, get some activity from the fans and things like this, which is really cool. I mean, that's, even if you're not a football fan, fans love to put some money down on these prop bets. And that's what makes the Super Bowl so cool and so awesome. And uh, it's a it's a spectacular event that everyone wants to see and watch or be a part of in some way each and every single year. And of course, at the end of the show, uh, we will close it up by going around the NFL out of bounds, and I'll throw my penalty flags. And I I also want to touch on an interesting subject. I never thought I'd touch on this here on this podcast, but sometimes I think we're asking too much out of certain people. I'll get to what I'm talking about later on in the podcast. I want to quickly talk about my weekend because uh, there, there's something I want to ask you guys. I need a little bit of help because my brother and I, I mean, we hung out this Saturday. Awesome weekend. Uh, we went to we went to Donatology, but before that we hung out at the Legends on Casey, at KCK. So we used I-70 to get there. And to be honest, I've never really been on I-70 that much. Uh, maybe a couple of times, maybe just a handful of times, I've honestly been on I-70. I've never really traveled to St. Louis on the road. Uh, I have traveled west a couple of times from Kansas City, maybe to Topeka uh, or to Salina. But honestly, I've not used I-70 a whole lot, so I'm I'm not too familiar. I think there may be a, a couple of times where... Uh, I've gone from downtown to uh, the the Truman Sports Complex and back maybe just a couple of times. So I've honestly never been on I-70 that much. So when I got on there, I mean, I always use my iPhone. Ever since the iPhone came out with the GPS, I've always used that to get around certain places that I'm not familiar with. And when you pass the the state line border on I-70, you get to a really funky part where you've got to make sure you stay on I-70 and avoid, what is it, 670 Highway? Which I was able to do, but at some point, the street signs got way too confusing, so I immediately took an exit, not exactly sure exactly where I was going. It turned out I, and I didn't realize this during the time, but I took an exit to get on Broadway Boulevard, but 
you know, because I'm approaching a streetlight, there are other cars around me. I, I don't want to look at my phone the entire time. So I don't exactly know where I am. I, I'm not, I, I don't know exactly my north, my directions with northeast, southwest. Uh, so I just took a left turn and I ended up going north and eventually got on 169 Highway and. <laughs> I passed the downtown airport and I went north for a long time because there was no there was no exit. I turned around. Eventually, we got it figured out and uh, we, we we got to donatology. And I was kind of curious to see what this was all about because I had heard a lot of things. I have seen like chiefs uh, the the actual logo shaped donuts. I have seen letters. I, I mean, I've seen people who have bought uh, a birthday gift. From Donatology, and it's the words "Happy Birthday" in donuts. It's, so I, I was, I was, I was curious. I, I was pretty excited to go here, and it was honestly the biggest disappointment ever. Now we were told that we could make our own donuts, which we got to do a little bit, but I wasn't. I mean, they didn't explain it very well. I don't know. Maybe the the employee there was having a bad day. I have no idea. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't judge too much, but uh, I was, I was pretty disappointed with my trip there. So. I don't know, maybe you guys... Oh, by the way, when I was crossing downtown, uh, I, I had to go through another detour because they blocked off part of uh, downtown for Royals Fan Fest, which took place. And I'm thinking, man, I, I'm going through all of this. And eventually, at the end of the day, I went through all of that just to go to a place that, honestly, I thought Krispy Kreme... Hell, I'll, I'll even say Dunkin' Donuts was a lot better. So I don't know. Um, I, I was expecting, you know, some maybe royal-shaped donuts because it was Fan Fest that day. Or, you know, it was still football season. So maybe football donuts, Super Bowl donuts, Chiefs donuts of some sort. Uh, you know, their shapes or whatever. I have honestly seen a better selection at the Krispy Kreme in Overland Park. So I was not too impressed by this. Maybe you guys can help me out with this. Because I, I was really curious to, to, to see what this is all about. I, I'd seen all the hype. I've seen a lot of Facebook pictures. I was pretty disappointed by this. So maybe you guys can help me out on that. Uh, a couple other things I want to get into uh, real quickly. And we'll, we'll get on with the show. Uh, crazy, crazy weekend. Uh, as many of you guys know, I do write about the UFC and mixed martial arts for a website called CagePages.com, which is part of Fansided. And uh, I, I was pretty fortunate enough to have received some information from a very reliable source that had told me that the UFC, and I mentioned this at the end of the last podcast, again, you you did not hear it anywhere else first, it was exactly this podcast, or my article, which came out first, and, it, and it's kind of crazy, I've never really, I have actually broke news before, maybe not prevalent news that everyone cares about, but this one was really the first time where, I mean, I'm looking at Wikipedia, and I, I mean, they're using my article as a source on Wikipedia, but I had broke the news that the uh, the UFC is expected to come to Kansas City on April 15th, and the article blew up. UFC fighters were sharing the article. A lot of UFC fighters from the Kansas City area were sharing that article, and everybody, like UFC fighters are calling each other out just to get on this card on April 15th, which... It's probably not going to even be a pay-per-view. It's probably just going to be a fight night, which, again, if the turnout's good, if the fan turnout is great, I think Dana White and the UFC brass will be more than happy to come back for a pay-per-view. I've fallen in love with the sport the past year. I turned into a casual fan to a very close follower. I honestly follow even the the fight nights. I just think that's how addicted I am to the sport of mixed martial arts. I'll even follow Bellator and WSOF a little bit as much as possible, even though there's not a lot of coverage for those. But point being, uh, the article blew up. A lot of you guys shared this on Facebook and Twitter. I posted uh, I posted it on my social media pages. 
and you guys shared the heck out of it. Uh, it's one of the most viewed articles that Fansided had had seen in January. So I thank you guys so much for that. It, it really means a lot to me. I, you guys know how long I've been doing this. So I really do appreciate all of you guys who got that out there. Now, the UFC has not officially announced anything yet. Be patient with that. It's coming soon. I, I mean, they, they've... They scheduled the event, but of course, the Sprint Center, the Missouri State Athletic Commission, the UFC, they they, they want to wait for a certain time to actually announce this, and then everyone else can announce it that's involved, such as the Sprint Center, the, the Missouri State Athletic Commission. So it will come, uh, probably this weekend when we see the Korean Zombie return to the Octagon. So keep, keep in touch for that this Saturday. And of course, I'll, I'll mention something on my Facebook page, as well as, well as Twitter, uh, as soon as the UFC makes the official announcement. By the way, speaking of Facebook and Twitter, you guys can like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Vesugin. Give that a like. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 or do both. Hey, why not? And uh, share it with a friend. Let him know about the social media pages. Uh, one other quick thing I want to mention here, and this is something about my personal life that, you know, if there's any of you struggling with something like this, I hope that this inspires you in some shape or form. Uh, but for the longest time, I, I had been overweight, not, not necessarily obese, but you know, you you could look at me and say, okay, th- that guy definitely has room to to do better with his body, to to take better care of his body. And I was always embarrassed because you know I I couldn't really play sports in high school. I, I wasn't really athletic. Uh, my body was just not in shape. I wasn't as good as the other guys that played in sports. And I went to a very competitive high school. And by all means, it's not a bragging point because I, I, I really couldn't even play on any of the sports teams. Uh, so eventually at some point, that was motivation. Uh, but still for a long time, I, I just wasn't taking care of my body. I would exercise, but I, I would also eat a lot. And at some point, I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I said, I've, I've got to do something about it. So I started eating right and being very consistent with uh, my workouts, my exercise. Uh, as of February 1st, it's been three years since I have had soda. Haven't swallowed, haven't had a sip of soda for three years. I used to drink Mountain Dew like heck. I mean, I, I love the hell out of Mountain Dew. And uh, I, I remember somebody telling me, her name is Mary. Uh, she told me that you've got to stop drinking soda. You, you've got to put it aside. And I, I, I told her, I said, there's absolutely no way in hell that I can put aside soda. There's just no way. I love it too much. And I, I don't remember what it was. It was my senior year at KU. And I was home for winter break. And as an early Christmas gift, my parents got me a one-month membership. Since I was home for one month for Christmas break, they got me a one-month membership at uh, Lifetime Fitness at at Overland Park. So I went there for a month. And I honestly went every single day except for Christmas. And I I think the – I didn't go the last two days because I I ended up moving back to Lawrence to finish off my my college at, at KU. But I pretty much went every single day. And, of course, there was a gym at KU for free for students. So I ended up going there just about every single day, as much as possible, to keep that going. So uh, I remember right before uh, I came home for Christmas, and, and this was in 2014, I was 220 pounds. And I remember on February 1st, I stepped on the scale. I was exactly 199.9 pounds, 199, uh, under 200 and eventually, I dropped to 195. Unfortunately, at one point, I did 
kind of go through a bump in the road where I tore my ACL and my meniscus. So, and, and this is a horrible excuse, by the way. But I was, I, I'm one of those people. I cannot, I cannot be inactive. I just can't. I, I, and unfortunately, with my knee injury and the surgery, I had to just sit and let the whole thing heal on its own for a while before I could start walking and get off crutches. And, and of course, rehab. I mean, that that itself is tedious. But I, I ended up eating a lot out of stress. And again, horrible, horrible excuse, but that did happen. But fortunately, you know, I had the strength to relose what I had lost before. And uh, fortunately, I'm under 200 pounds. Uh, so still uh, some goals I do have with my weight in my body, but it really is a gratifying accomplishment. It really is. You really do feel good about yourself when you're in shape. So for those of you who have kind of a similar thing where you're looking to get in better shape, you truly can do this. I used to tell myself I couldn't do it. And I'm one of those people that always say, don't let anyone tell you you can't. But I always did that for myself. So I I kind of self-contradicted myself for a long time. And I just put aside soda. And look, I, I mean, there are a lot of people who love soda. That, that's okay. Of course, we see all the commercials for it. We'll see a bunch of it this weekend uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, but I think people can really do a much better job when it comes to eating. You really can. And trust me, I mean, if I was able to do it, someone like me that loved to eat and drink uh, junk food, soda, and eventually I found a way to limit those things, I'm confident anyone else can do it. I, I, I truly do. Uh, so th- that, that's something I wanted to get out there. If anyone, if I can inspire anyone on that, if I can, if you can take anything away from this podcast, if you don't want to listen to the rest of this podcast, fine by me. If that inspires you to want to turn this off and go work out, I, I, I feel good about that already. I truly do. So I wanted to get that out there because uh, that is something personal to me and something that I that I, I'm personally very proud of. I did post a picture, a before and after of what I look like in the summer of 2013 and what I look like uh, on February 1st, 2014. Uh, and I, the, the, the summer picture, I looked like that for a long time. And just the switch I had in, what, one and a half months uh, really was shocking. I, I mean, I, I look at those pictures and I think to myself, man, I really do look like a different guy. Now, part of it is I grew my hair out. I, I didn't shave it as much. I, I also grew a goatee. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, it really was nice to see that change, something I really needed desperately in my personal life. And if I can do it, again, so can you. All right, we're going to move on with the show now. Ho- hopefully that's something you guys can take away if that's something you feel like it's needed in your personal life. As far as this podcast goes, uh, going to touch on a couple of Chiefs topics. Let's get to the first one, the big one. Chris Ballard, the new general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, was one of the assistant general managers uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs with John Dorsey helping him out. And I know a lot of times people don't know exactly what a guy like Chris Ballard may do for an organization. I mean, not many people knew who Scott Pioli was exactly before he left to come to Kansas City. And now currently as an assistant with the Atlanta Falcons. But guys like Chris Ballard and, and Scott Pioli during his time with uh, with New England didn't do a good job here in Kansas City, but doing a lot of great things in Atlanta, too, as an assistant. I mean, these are guys who do have a hand, and there are certain things that they do a, they do a good job of, and it doesn't get out there as much. Here's all the things to really keep in note of with Chris Ballard. Uh, now, he, he's, he's responsible for the team, uh, p- partly responsible for them, Going two and fourteen to getting that nine and zero start in twenty thirteen, and eventually a forty three and twenty one record, 
plus the franchise's first postseason win in 22 years. He had a huge hand in drafting Marcus Peters, evaluating him, and pretty much getting in Scott or John Dorsey's ear and, and saying, look, we've got to take this guy. Over in Chicago, when he was with the Bears as an assistant, he had a big hand in evaluating and helping draft pro bowlers Matt Forte, Johnny Knox, Charles Tillman, Nathan Vasher. Seven different teams in the last two years have considered Chris Ballard to be their general manager. So that tells you how valuable he was to the Kansas City Chiefs. And again, maybe we as fans and even in the media, we don't necessarily know what exactly Chris Ballard is doing specifically. But other teams across the NFL, they know. And maybe some people in the media, people who have a lot of connections with certain teams, they probably know as well, but don't get it out there as as much as I, w- I would like to th- think that they would have. But this tells you just how, how valuable Chris Ballard is and how, how much teams really think highly of him. So the Chiefs really had a good guy. And listen, this is the uh, we're not used to this because... We have not had this kind of consistency in a long time. The Chiefs have not finished above four, uh, 500 for four consecutive years since the Marty Schottenheimer era in the 1990s. So for the Chiefs to have this kind of success, listen, when you lose assistance, that's a good thing because that shows you that your franchise has done so so well. The main guys are going to stay there. The the general manager, the, the head coach, those guys are all going to be there, but... Your coordinators, the assistant general managers, the, the the scouts, the director of player personnel, those guys are going to end up getting bigger jobs elsewhere because of what they've done to help the Chiefs or wherever it may be for their respective teams. So it sucks that you lose people like that. You know, I'm sure down the road the Chiefs are going to lose Brad Childress and even Dave Tobe. I'm really shocked Dave Tobe hasn't gotten a head coaching gig Uh even though he's a special teams coordinator, it's a very rare jump, but a lot of teams, as you guys all remember, the Chargers and the Broncos wanted to interview Dave Tobe for for a job to be their next head coach. So this is, I mean, this is the way it works in sports. If your assistants are doing so well, in addition to your team's success, they're going to be picked up by other teams because those guys want to go up, they want to work their way up the ladder. Everybody wants to... Make their way up in the company, whether it's to be the president, the CEO, a general manager, whatever the case may be, or they just want to buy the company and be the full t- full owner, have ownership of it. Everyone wants to move up in some way, and you cannot blame guys like Chris Ballard for doing so. So big ups to Chris Ballard. Very happy for him moving on and uh, getting this job with the Indianapolis Colts. And, of course, he's got a great quarterback to work with in Andrew Luck. And I, I also think Chuck Pagano, I know the past couple of years, haven't been pretty in Indianapolis, and the Texans have really been the – Top dogs in the AFC South, unexpectedly. But still, uh, I think there are some pieces to work with to really build a great football team with with Indianapolis. The other piece of Chiefs news this past weekend, and again, I, this is one that where uh, people say they don't watch the Pro Bowl, but the ratings come out every year, and there are always millions and millions of people who watch the game. So uh, take that for what it's worth. But Travis Kelsey did receive offensive MVP honors, for this Pro Bowl, had three catches for 36 yards and a touchdown, including the trick play on a fake field goal where Chiefs punter Dustin Colquitt tossed it to Kelsey, and he moved the change for the AFC, giving them a first down. So it's pretty cool. Kelsey got the Pro Bowl. Uh, let's not get too carried away with this, by the way, because I'm already seeing tweets from Chiefs fans about how Alex Smith is getting a lot of praise because he had a great offensive line to work with. Okay, yeah, he had a Pro Bowl offensive line to work with. Uh... So what? I mean, these guys are all going to go back to their individual teams. 
I mean, not there aren't teams that have five pro bowlers. They just don't. The Chiefs were very close to that, as I mentioned last podcast, at one point under Dick Vermeil, but still. Uh, let's not get too carried. Alex didn't even have a great game. He overthrew his own real teammate, Tyree Kill, on the very first play of the game. And there was no pressure, no wide open Tyree Kill. And he got, it was just ugly. I mean, more reason to want to draft a quarterback. And also, DJ Alexander, who was who was voted in as a special teams player, he got tons of defensive snaps. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, he got more defensive snaps in the Pro Bowl than he did all year with the Chiefs. And he had a really strong goal line stand where he stopped, I don't remember who it was, one of the running backs. Uh, and Chiefs fans are going crazy about how this guy can... Be the replacement for Derek Johnson. Again, relax. It's the Pro Bowl. The players, some players don't give it 100%. Some of them are crazy and they go out there, they dance, they have fun. Defensive players, they can't really do certain things. The linebackers aren't allowed to blitz. So uh, I remember Tom Bahali was a 3-4 outside linebacker one year in the Pro Bowl. And it was just awkward seeing him uh, play that kind of a defense because we're used to seeing him uh, in a 3-4 as an outside linebacker, and I, I, I think I said 3-4 outside linebacker, I meant to say 4-3 outside linebacker, so pardon me on that right there, it's a pro bowl, man, uh, it's cool Kelsey got it, he got the vehicle, and now with sponsorships these days, and how big television ratings are, and social media, marketing, now there's a lot on the line, Eric Hosmer, of course, when he got the all-star game MVP last year, he had uh, the, the uh, choice of uh, of two different vehicles. So I mean, that's on the line. You get either 50000 for winning or 20 some thousand uh, if your team loses. So I think all in all, uh, it, it used to be just a fun time in Hawaii, but now they're in Orlando uh, or, or wherever they, they take the Pro Bowl just to have some fun. Uh, I didn't pay attention to it too much. Uh, I was actually watching the Royal Rumble on my computer, but... Uh, Again, it's a Pro Bowl. Let's not get too carried away with the performances. Especially with Alex Smith and DJ Alexander. Because I'm seeing people talk about them like they're going to be big-time Pro Bowlers and put up big, big-time big stats next season. And I've got to say, Alex Smith, 15 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. I don't think I've seen another quarterback with those statistics make it to the Pro Bowl. Alright, as I promised, uh, I wanted to preview the draft a little bit with the Kansas City Chiefs and who they could go after. Here's what I did. I I looked up some players and realistically who would be available at the 28th pick for the Kansas City Chiefs. And of course, there's always the possibility that the Chiefs will trade up or trade down. Of course, they traded down this past year. But let's just assume they stay at 28th. Who could they get? And I, and I looked up some mock drafts, too, right before this podcast, and I saw some real... There are so many different things. And with the 28th pick, it's always hard to predict because you don't you may know exactly who might go with the, within the first five or ten picks, but after that, it's pretty hard to forecast the rest of the draft because even then, you may even see guys that were projected to go way later, they end up being taken early. So uh, t- take this with a grain of salt, if you wish. But here's a list of guys who I think the Chiefs could go after. I'll start with the quarterback position because there are a lot of quarterbacks uh, that could go in the first round, some at different points. I'm going to start with Deshaun Watson. I, I went over this uh, plenty of times. There are a couple of things that I did while researching I did not know uh, that, that I'm going to share now. Here are the statistics for him. 90 touchdowns, 32 interceptions, more than 10,100 passing yards in the last three years with Clemson 
completion percentage each year. This is pretty fascinating. His completion percentage in order, 2014, 67.9. 2015, 67.8. 2016, 67 flat. So he had either... Anywhere between a 67 and a 68% completion percentage. Uh, yes, it went down, but it, it went down by one-tenth of a percent and then less than 1% uh, the following year. So uh, pretty good numbers for him in the passing category. Also scrambles quite a bit, one th- almost 2,000 yards, 1,934 yards and 26 touchdowns on the ground. Responsible for plenty of touchdowns. With Clemson, here's a nugget that I did not know at all. In 2016, they lost only one game in 2016, and that was to Pittsburgh by one point. In 2015, Clemson lost only one game, and that one game was the national title game to Bama by five points. So in 2016 and 2015, Clemson lost one game each of those two years. So obviously, two games combined, those two years, they lost, in those two games, they lost by a combined six points. So here's the thing. I understand Deshaun Watson may not necessarily be the most decorated quarterback to, to or maybe not necessarily the best suited QB coming into this draft in terms of a guy who could run a pro-style offense. But to only lose once a year, and not to get blown out either, you were competitive in both of those losses. To have that kind of a success, I will gladly take that over somebody who is prepared uh, to run a pro-style offense. Because I'll tell you what with Sean Watson, and I promise you this, mark my words, this is a guy who's going to win a lot of football games wherever he goes. Now, if he gets taken by a team like the Browns with the first pick, listen, it's going to take some time. But you can guarantee that as long as he's healthy, he will do something to change that Browns football team to at least improve. Maybe from one wins to six wins. That would be that would be quite the improvement for Cleveland. It truly would be. I know six wins isn't great in the NFL. No fan base wants that. But if you're a team like Cleveland that has a lot of rebuilding to do, that would be a huge step forward for that franchise. This is a guy who really isn't familiar with anything outside of success. The amount of losses he's had and the amount of points that Clemson's lost by, he's so used to winning. And I think if he comes to Kansas City with that swagger, that mentality, I think that can really go a long way in the NFL. Or not just Kansas City, anywhere. Anywhere, really. Scouting report for Deshaun Watson says he has a decent arm, superb accuracy, is undersized, and not necessarily able to play in a pro-style offense. Uh, pocket passing needs to be quicker. Now listen, here's the one thing that I... If Andy Reid's done a great job of anything, it's developing football players. Even though he may not be viewed as a guy that can run a pro-style offense right away, I'm sure Andy Reid can work on that with him. I mean, that's the point of an offseason. You draft a player, you, you bring in guys, you develop them, you work on their weaknesses with them, you try to build off their strengths, and next thing you know, 
when it's training camp, they try to work on what they've done the entire offseason. They do it in the preseason games, and hopefully come regular season time, that, that player is much better than what he was before he joined your team. So I'm confident that if he does come to Kansas City, Andy Reid can do something about it. Now, I have seen the mock drafts that have put Deshaun Watson anywhere from the first overall pick all the way through Kansas City's 28th pick in the draft. And to be honest, I'm not making, I'm not banking him to be available 28th overall. Now, I guess you could root for him to have a bad combine and a bad pro day and, and all of that. But then again, the Chiefs would be drafting a guy who I guess did not impress. So uh, I think ideally what, what I'd like to see happen, I'd like to see the Chiefs trade up for him and see if they can get to a spot. There are a lot of teams that could use quarterbacks this year, and there are a lot of good quarterbacks that could be taken in the first round, anywhere from three, maybe four, possibly five QBs that could be taken uh, in this year's draft early. Now, again, that's before uh, all the interviews, the private workouts, the combine. Uh, of course, we're going to see what ha- what transpires there, and then we'll see w- where teams go with that. Deshaun Kaiser if Deshaun Watts is not available, I would not mind seeing Deshaun Kaiser uh, from Notre Dame land in Kansas City. Had a 58% completion percentage in 2015, improved it to 63% this past year, had a 47-19 touchdown-to-interception ratio, and ran for 992 yards and 19 touchdowns on the ground during his time uh, with Notre Dame. Listen, as far as... Deshaun Kaiser goes very similar quarterback to Deshaun Watson, the guy who can not just, not just throw the football and be accurate with it, but can also run the football. And I think we've had that with Alex Smith uh, for a couple of years. We didn't necessarily see much of that this season with Alex Smith. They didn't take care of the football as well. They didn't run with the football as much. So uh, the Chiefs definitely need to go after a guy who's going to be more confident if he's going to scramble with the football, uh, keep it in, tuck it in, and take off. And I think Watson or Kaiser could be those two guys, especially under Andy Reid's offense, the West Coast offense. Uh, they could definitely succeed in the style of offense. They really could. And again, don't forget the fact that Andy Reid, he, one of the greatest things that he's, he, he does is develop football players and really help them improve. Other quarterbacks from Texas Tech, Pat Mahomes, 93 touchdowns, 29 picks, more than 11,000 yards, great pocket passer, and this is all during his time at Texas Tech, not just one year. <laughs> has a good, I figured you guys knew that, but has a good arm. Uh, known to keep the ball and scramble at times, so maybe another guy who could who could be, be evaluated by the Chiefs and maybe considered if he's available uh, by the time the Chiefs are on the clock, but... Uh, Again, he's tend to, he, he tends to scramble, but not as much as some of the other QBs entering this draft. Uh, he could go in the first round, though. That is expected of him. In the second round, Davis Webb from California. Good arm, good pocket presence, good field, visit, uh, field vision. The issue with him is his decision-making. Gerard Evans from Virginia Tech. Only a one-year starter, so that could be a bit of a concern for some scouts. Threw for over 3,500 yards. This past year, 29 touchdowns, 8 picks, ran 12 touchdowns in. Good size, uh, needs to develop as an NFL QB coming out of a college system at Virginia Tech. So uh, th- th- that's the reason why he's not expected to go in the first round. Brad Kaya expected to go anywhere from the second or third round. And I don't know if he could be an instant starter for your team. 
No mobility. Can't throw under pressure. A decent arm. Nothing majorly impressive. He's expected to be a late second-day pick or early third-day draft pick. So these are some of the quarterbacks who I think the Chiefs will definitely evaluate and consider. Uh, I definitely would stay away from Kaya because I don't know if he would do anything a lot different than than Alex Smith would. Uh, But a guy like... Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Kaiser, or Deshaun Watson. I think those are definitely guys the Chiefs should consider in this year's draft for sure. Now, I debated whether or not I wanted to put this position in here, and I did anyway, but there was only one player who really caught my eye, and I thought the Chiefs would definitely consider if he's available. Available uh, As of right now, mock drafts say he could go from anywhere, the first to the third round, and that's Joe Mixon, the running back out of Oklahoma. So if you're a Big 12 football fan, uh, which many of you guys I assume are, you're probably familiar with Mixon in some sort of way. Very fast runner, excellent speed. Uh, he, scouts have said that he can, quote-unquote, rip through a defense. Runs a 4.4840. 6'1", 226 pounds, so good frame, good size, and I think he'd be a good complement. Now, this could be silly to say, if especially if Jamal Charles comes back, because Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West were signed to contract extensions the previous offseason, but we didn't see the same West and Ware that we saw in 2016, or 2015, I should say. So I think the Chiefs, if Jamal Charles does come back, and I think he can be the same dominant Charles, except... He would need to take less snaps on an offense. And at that point, you might need another guy. Kind of similar to the time when both Larry Johnson and Priest Holmes were active at the same exact time. And the type of rushing attack they were able to provide on on Dick Vermeil's teams. And a little bit with Hermit. Well, actually, I take that back. I, Priest Holmes didn't play much under Herm Edwards. He did in 2007, but very, very briefly. So overall, I think Joe Mixon, if Deshaun Watson nor Deshaun Kaiser are available, maybe a guy like Joe Mixon would be a guy you should consider taking with a 20th pick, again, if he's expected to go in the first round. Wide receivers, I don't know if there's a wide receiver that she should take in the first round. Two years ago, if you asked me this, I said, you've got to go after a wide receiver. Now, the Chiefs got Jeremy Macklin, they drafted Chris Conley, uh, Albert Wilson's turned into a better wide receiver. He's been a better contributor on offense. Uh, so there are some guys that the Chiefs can work with offensively. But I think maybe there might be a little bit room, more room to have better guys. And let me ask you this. There's Tyree Kill on the team, of course. Imagine having two Tyree Kills. Especially if one is on the left side of the field, the other's on the right side. And Alex Smith or whoever the QB is for the Chiefs next year... They've got two explosive home run hitters to throw to. Here's one guy that I would be really excited to see to see the Chiefs take. And quite honestly, I think he could be the steal of the draft. He's expected to go in the second or third round. And I think by the time when we do our redo mock drafts after the 2017 season, I think this is a guy who a lot of people are going to say he should have gone in the first round. Cooper Cup from Eastern Washington. Now, I know the name of the school, not necessarily the most enticing place to look at when you want to draft a football player. But listen, there have been a lot of players from these small schools who have come out and really done a great job in the NFL. Here's what you need to know about Cooper Cup. More than 1,400 yards, 90 catches, and 16 touchdowns each of the four seasons he was at Eastern Washington. 
also had a 100-yard game at least seven times each of those four years. He's also got three career punt return touchdowns, so he could be a good insurance policy in case Tyreek Hill suffers an injury. We have to keep in mind, he did come from the Big Sky Conference, but given who he went up against, he he and the rest of the Eastern Washington football team, they dominated against some of the best in their conference. In fact, they, uh, during Cup's time uh, at, at Eastern Washington, the program went undefeated twice in the conference uh, during Cup's tenure there. Almost happened three times, by the way. Here's what scouts are saying about Cup, and quite honestly, even though he may not necessarily be a first-round wide receiver, I think what what's being said about him, this is a guy who I think would be great for Andy Reid's offense. Scouts like his hands, which I, I as you know from, from Chiefs fans, that's something that Chiefs fans would love, Some somebody with good hands, a wide receiver with great hands. He's got the quickness, and he's great with route running. I could see a player like Cup succeeding in a West Coast offense, especially under Andy Reid, because you know Andy Reid, like I said before, Andy Reid can develop these guys into a better NFL caliber wide receiver. And with his route running, if you want to give him those short intermediate routes to throw to the outside, and then he just uses his breakaway speed to gain as many yards after the catch, this is a guy who could really be Tyree Kill 2.0. And if you have two Tyree Kills on your team, what's wrong with that? That is perfect. I think that that is every coach's dream to have two explosive players like that. Plus, if you get Jamal Charles back, and if he can be the old Jamal Charles that we're used to seeing, you've got another explosive player, this time coming out of the backfield. There are so many guys that this Andy Reid offense could, could work with. This could really bode well for the Chiefs. I'd love to see like Cooper, a guy like Cooper Cup come to Kansas City. Another wide receiver worth looking into, again, could go in the second or third round, Juju Smith-Schuster. And by the way, when I say when these guys might go, this is, keep in mind, before the combine, before all of these uh, pro days, the interviews, all of that. So this, this will all change throughout the course of the next couple of months. Juju Smith-Schuster from USC had more than 1,400 receiving yards in 2015. 19 fewer catches and exactly 500 fewer receiving yards. Still, however, had 10 touchdowns each of the last two years. Uh, Has the ability to separate himself from a defensive back. Could be a good player under Andy Reid's system. If he's able to separate himself from uh, a cornerback and go for those short routes, which again, that's kind of what we see. We have seen the deep pass more with with the Chiefs the past couple of years, but we still see those short intermediate routes more times than not. And this is a guy who maybe with his separation and getting open is a guy who could definitely help the Chiefs move the chains, especially on third down. Offensive lineman? I don't think that's necessarily a huge need for the Chiefs. It's definitely room for improvement, don't get me wrong. But a guy like Ryan Ramsack from Wisconsin, first-round talent, strong blocker, very valuable in the ground game, can pave the way for running backs. Uh, he's a Division three transfer, so the fact that he made the D3 transfer coming to Wisconsin and helping Wisconsin have one of the best rushing attacks in the nation, uh, this is a guy who's foregoing his senior year because he's got the ability to be a good blocker in the NFL, especially uh, when it comes to running the football. One downside to him, he does need hip surgery uh, for a torn labrum, which... Uh, 
yeah, that can really take a toll on an offensive lineman, that area, the, the hip and the shoulder area. So he's going to get that fixed. But nonetheless, scouts still think he can go in the first round. And by the way, I looked into this a little bit before the podcast. The shoulder really is a complex and unstable joint in the body and how it affects the hip too with the torn labrum. For offensive linemen, that tends to be an area where they just have the most soreness and pain and sometimes tend to injure eventually. So overall, uh, I mean, for the most part, Ryan Ramsack from Wisconsin, very good player there for the Badgers, very consistent when it came to run blocking, and that's why they were very consistent running the football on the ground. All right, switching over to the other side of the football, the defensive side, and uh, there are really two positions where I think the Chiefs might focus on the most. Uh, it's inside linebacker and cornerback. I think defensive, the defensive line could be an interesting place. Maybe you add some depth there, but definitely not necessarily an area where you're looking for new starters right away. You'll get Jay Howard and Allen Bailey back, hopefully Dontari Poe. And if you do, great. Let's not forget Chris Jones, a guy who went in the second round but played like a first-round pick, a guy who was a great contributor on defense and helped the Chiefs front seven, uh, putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So that's that, that's an area where Kansas City, I don't think they've got to really do a whole lot. If they lose on Tari Poe, well, they're able to shift a couple of guys on that defensive line, and I think that they'll, they'll still be set there, but we'll need to add some depth in case injuries happen again. We saw what happened this year. Fortunately, that did not hurt the Chiefs too much in 2016. Now, inside linebacker, there are two linebackers that uh, I, I do want to talk about. It, uh, they're Jared Davis from Florida and Zach Cunningham from Vanderbilt. Now, I mentioned Deshaun Watson. Uh, I, I've seen one mock draft say that he could come to Kansas City. I have actually seen a couple of mock drafts that have said Zach Cunningham or Jared Davis could end up here in Kansas City. And a lot of that has to do with Derek Johnson being injured and also getting older in his career. Uh, time's running out for him. He's got two years left on his contract that he signed last year, uh, a three-year deal. So this would be very interesting. And I think these are two line to inside linebackers that a lot of defenses are going to want, especially teams that struggle against the run. And let's face it, the Chiefs were 26 against the run. If they could have stopped a lot of these defenses from going wild, especially in that playoff game against uh, Pittsburgh, Maybe there's a different outcome in that game. And I'll say this. The Chiefs, and I've said this before, and it's caught on nationally too, the Chiefs truly do have a bend-don't-break style defense. Now, what if you don't have that bend type of defense? What if you're able to fix that and not even bend at all? Because if the Chiefs are able to limit teams from moving the foot moving the chains, getting first downs, and getting closer to to the end zone. Sure, yeah, the Chiefs are very good in the red zone defensively. But still, when you allow a team to eat up that much time uh, from the clock, and the three losses that really get me are Tampa Bay, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh in the postseason. Those three games, if the defense, if they were able to not allow as many first downs, and eventually come up with stops. They don't get a lot of. They're not going to chew a lot of time off the clock. And listen, it's not like those three teams lit up the scoreboard either. Pittsburgh scored just 18 points, all field goals, and unfortunately, the Chiefs lost that game. Uh, Tennessee and Tampa Bay each 
scored, I believe, 19 points. And again, I, I don't have this in front of me, but I believe it was 19 points. Both, of, in, in fact, the, the final score to, in those two games were the same, 19 to 17. So for the Chiefs, if they had a better run-stopping defense, maybe we, we don't even see losses in any of those three games. So that's where a guy like Zach Cunningham might come in. I'll start with him. No sacks in 2016 for Zach Cunningham. However, he had 16 and a half tackles for a loss this past year. 125 tackles, 71 solo tackles this past year. 14 tackles for a loss in the previous year in 2015. Highly praised as a run defender. And again, being 26th this year against the run, the Chiefs could use that. Jared Davis... 60 tackles this past year, two sacks, four pass breakups. So he's able to do a little bit more in coverage too. Uh, as a senior, did pretty good. One of the things that scouts have noticed about him, he's able to blow up running plays, forcing offenses to rethink their game plan midway through the match. So these are two really good run-stopping inside linebackers that could go anywhere from the first round early to early second round. So if the Chiefs are going to want any of these guys, they're going to have to probably take them with that last, uh, somewhere late in that first round. Because they're not going to be available by the time the Chiefs pick in the second round. Let's go to quarterback real quickly. Garon Conley from Ohio State uh, broke up eight passes this past year, also had four picks to go along with his 2016 season. Overcame a really rough start in 2015. I think at some point they questioned whether or not he'd be a, a key contributor moving moving forward. But he improved in 2015 and ended up finishing as a reliable starter and started for the Buckeyes in all of 2016. Cordea Tankerslam, I believe that's how you say his name, from Clemson. Four interceptions. 10 pass breakups. Coverage was strong enough to force opposing teams to target other defensive backs and keep away from tankers' lay. So here's, I guess here's what could be ideal for the Chiefs. And by the way, before I actually get to my point, the whole thing about opposing quarterbacks throwing the other direction, that's what we saw from Marcus Peters. After Marcus Peters got five interceptions early in the season, we didn't see a whole lot anymore from him. That's because a lot of quarterbacks went the opposite direction. I mean, Marcus Peters really proved himself as a shutdown quarterback, and he proved me wrong this year. I was really concerned about that after all the yards he gave up last year, his rookie season, despite still getting rookie of the year honors. Uh, he also allowed eight touchdowns, which was the most in the NFL. But he really turned it around in his sophomore season in the NFL. He was much better in coverage. And the Chiefs went up against a lot of great quarterbacks this year. Some of the best quarterbacks the Chiefs went up against. Derek Carr twice. uh, Phillip Rivers twice. One of the highest scoring offenses in the Falcons and Matt Ryan. So many great quarterbacks the Chiefs went up against this year. Jameis Winston. Marcus Mariota. The list goes on. The Chiefs really did stand up strong against some of those passing offenses and Marcus Peters is a big part of that but still they were those teams were able to move the move the the football quite a bit on this offense which we touched on uh when we were talking 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 about the linebackers so what are the Chiefs got to do if they end up drafting Zach Cunningham in the first round and end up getting a guy like Cordrea Tankersley in the second round you've got 
really, you just filled in a couple of your missing pieces on defense. And I think a guy like Eric Mitchell could still be a key contributor on defense, especially with the way he he came through. And pardon me, I said Eric Mitchell. I meant Terrence Mitchell, who came along late in the season for the Chiefs, but still uh, was an instant com- uh, contributor. That Thursday night game against the Raiders, where the Chiefs turned the ball over three times and only scored in the second quarter, Terrence Mitchell came through in that fourth quarter. He really was the MVP of that game, where he came through with some pass deflections to prevent Oakland from getting into the end zone for what could have been a potentially game-winning touchdown to steal one at Arrowhead Stadium and quite honestly could have been the difference maker in winning the division or not. Also, their car injury, that played a role, but still, you get the idea. Now, if you've got three good cornerbacks, Mitchell, Peters, Steven Nelson, a very good slot corner, and if you have Tanker Slay as part of your defense... Kansas City, I can see them being a very good pass defense. I know a lot of people might say, well, that's way too many cornerbacks. We should focus on other positions. I don't think so at all. Look at Denver. They've got two Pro Bowl cornerbacks, both of them from Kansas, by the way. But even then, they've got guys like Bradley Roby who are big contributors for that defense in Denver. So I don't think there's such thing as having too many cornerbacks. If there are offenses that have plenty of great wide receivers, then honestly, to me, I don't think there's such thing as having too many good cornerbacks on an NFL defense. I don't see anything wrong with trying to stack up on multiple multiple cornerbacks who could be starters on other teams because you need to find a way to stop defenses, especially in this video game style of NFL era we're in all the crazy numbers that these quarterbacks are able to put up. So these are some of the rookies that I think the Chiefs should definitely consider in this year's draft. If I had to say in order, who would I want the most? My top five guys, obviously I want to see a new quarterback. So either Deshaun Watson or Deshaun Kaiser, one or two right there. Cooper Cup, I I really do think he's going to be a great playmaker on any NFL offense. Maybe on special teams. That remains to be seen. You know what? Keep this in mind. If Cooper Cup doesn't come to Kansas City, follow his career. As long as he does not get injured, I think this is a guy who can really become a a, a mini version of Tyree Kill, so to say. I really do think so. If he if he comes to it to an Andy Reid style of defense or offense, part of me, this is a guy who can really do a lot and do some damage on on some defenses. He really could. Then Zach Cunningham and Jared Davis. Uh, Tanker Slay, I think, would be a very good quarterback to have on your football team, especially on a defense that there's already a lot of talent there. Hopefully Eric Berry. I, I expect Eric Berry to be tagged. So I don't think the Chiefs are going to, at the very least, I expect him to be tagged. Let me rephrase that. But having a guy like Tanker Slay part of your secondary, that, that would make it an even stronger secondary and maybe even help you fill that missing void after all the yards you gave up, despite not giving up as many points. So there it is. That's my early preview. Chiefs draft preview. Some guys who they could look uh, look into and draft in the first, maybe second rounds, and guys who could be instant starters right away for the Chiefs in week one of the 2017 season. All right, now, 
I'll rest uh, the, the draft topic here because I'm not a scout by all means, but we'll definitely have some scouts throughout the offseason to help us touch on this because really I think scouts really do have a difficult job, but they make it easier than it might seem to. Uh, we'll talk to some guys. Uh, there, there are some guys we've had here on, on the podcast in the past. We'll definitely bring them back and see what they think, who the Chiefs could go after in this year's draft. Let's move along here. Let's get away from the drafts and talk about the big game this weekend, the Super Bowl. But I want to start with the prop bets because this is this is always fun. It really is. Even if you're not a big NFL fan like me or like many of you listening, even the most casual NFL fan loves to get into these prop bets. They really do. By the way, here's an interesting note that SB Nation mentioned in their article. from These things that could happen are from kickoff to the final whistle during the live broadcast only. So halftime and commercials, those are excluded here. How many times will Matt Ryan be referred to as Matty Ice during the broadcast? Over-under is set at two. I think it definitely goes over. Uh, I can see Joe Buck calling him Matty Ice more than two times throughout the game. How many times will Gronk or Gronkowski be said on TV during the live broadcast over under three? Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair one. Uh, the way they said it, uh, I think I think over. I really do because I think a lot of us were kind of concerned as to how this Patriots offense would operate without Gronkowski. But listen, Tom Brady has proved it time and time again. Kind of similar to the Kansas Jayhawks in basketball, even though they lose so many players year in and year out. Bill Self always finds a way to have the best talent on the floor and keep winning those Big 12 titles. Same way with Tom Brady. No matter who he's working with, he's going to make them look like premier pro rollers and take him to all of these championship games that he's gone to so many times in his career. But I definitely think it's going to be worth mentioning. So I'll say over on that one for, for Gronk or Gronkowski being mentioned. How many times will J.J. Watt be mentioned on TV during the live broadcast? This one's kind of interesting. Uh, over one, five to seven odds, or under one, essentially zero, one to one odds. I don't know why J.J. Watt would be mentioned. I get the, and eventually when I looked this up, I said, oh, okay, the Super Bowl is in Houston. Okay, Houston's best player, even though he didn't play a whole lot this year, is still J.J. Watt. I still don't know what exactly... I mean, what what storyline is there? I think the only time that he could be mentioned is when they show celebrities that are at the stadium or in the press box. Maybe they show J.J. Uh, Watt for a quick second coming out of a commercial break, and at that point he's mentioned. Um, pro- they'll probably say his name twice. So I'll go over on that one right there, but I, I, I don't see it happening more than two times. All right, this is the last one here. Actually, uh, there are... Th- Three more. Uh, how many times will deflate or deflate gate be said on TV during the broadcast? Uh, over one and a half, even one to one odds, or under one and a half at five to seven odds. I say under. Listen, the whole football. I think it gets mentioned maybe once. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I don't think they necessarily say the words deflate or deflate gate. I think they'll refer to it. They'll talk about Tom Brady's suspension. Because maybe the casual fan might want to hear a little bit more about the four-game suspension and whatnot. But I think nonetheless, there's really no reason. We've moved forward from That was two years ago. So I'm going to go with the under on that one. 
Will, quote-unquote, I love this one. Houston have a problem. Be said on TV during the live broadcast. Uh, five to two odds for yes. One to four odds says no. Uh, listen, uh, it's a classic line. I get it. I know Joe Buck can be kind of a cheesy guy at times, but I don't think he says that. I mean, the whole Houston have a problem is one of the most cheesiest lines out there to the point where I don't even think they, they, they say it. I really don't. Uh, final one here. Will the word lacrosse be said on TV during the live broadcast? Now, Chris Hogan, uh, Patriots wide receiver, played lacrosse once, so apparently that's why it could get mentioned. One to three odds for yes, two to one for no. I say no. Uh, I don't know why anyone would care for this, but hey, uh, you never know with Joe Buck sometimes. Uh, and these broadcasters, they really do over-prepare and have a lot of notes that they don't even end up mentioning in the broadcast. So uh, we'll see where that goes, but I'm going to go with a big no on that one. Who do I think will win the Super Bowl? I'll tell you right now. Time to go around the NFL. All right, I've got to say, I'm really excited for this Super Bowl. The stylistic, the matchup that we're going to see in this weekend. I was kind of hoping for an Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady Super Bowl because we've never seen that before, but I think this is kind of interesting because the Falcons are one of the best, uh, in terms of scoring, one of the better offenses in NFL history we've seen. And I think this is going to be a test for for New England. It really is. Here's the thing about both offenses. Everyone knows about these offenses. They're really more so the Patriots than the Falcons. uh, Because the Patriots have been here historically many times because of their offense. They're both in the uh, ranked 7th or higher in every single notable offensive category. However, defensively, and again, this doesn't get talked about with New England much. Because it's always Tom Brady over in New England. That Patriots defense is really good. They've really got a lot of talent across that defense. Malcolm Butler, Dante Hightower, Devin McCourty, Rob Ninkovich, Branch, Flowers, Ryan. I mean, there's so many great guys on this defense. Uh, A couple of pro bowlers and all pro guys, too, that just don't get talked about much. And I think these are guys who can cause some problems here. I think Bill Belichick, knowing Bill Belichick and what he's able to do, everything he's accomplished over the years, I think he can come up with a strong game plan to take away Julio Jones from this game. And at that point, who does Matt Ryan have to throw to? I mean, Toy Lolo, not not a great tight end. Mohamed Sanu, not necessarily a gr- the greatest slot receiver to, to work with. Justin Hardy. Uh, you take away Julio Jones, you take away a huge part of Atlanta's offense. I really do. So I think both offenses, they'll be able to do some things to, to, to impress us and give us the kind of Super Bowl we might want. But I think that defense really pulls away and can make some second-half adjustments and take Julio Jones out of this football game. And at that point, I think New England can march to another Super Bowl win under the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick era. I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with the Patriots on this one. Score-wise, I'll say... I'll say 38 to 21. I, I I think the Patriots can. It'll be close, maybe even tied at halftime. But I think the Patriots can come close to shutting down the the Falcons and pull away big in the second half and win their Super Bowl again. The 49ers hired G, uh, John Lynch as their GM after spending six years in the broadcast booth with Fox. Listen, it's a good move. Uh, I think these former players and coaches that are in the media, they truly have another perspective on why things work and don't work. And I think John Lynch would be a good candidate for this. Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, is expected to be there. And they've got some familiarity because of Mike uh, uh, Mike Shanahan in Denver. 
So I think that familiarity will be nice over in San Francisco. I bet they still got a long way to build. Last thing I want to touch on, Giants wide receiver Victor Cruz admits the Miami trip was not worth it. Now you get it. Look, man, you were on a short week and... You, it was not necessary to travel all the way from north to, to the southern part of the country just to party. Players complain about so much travel and the the, the legroom on planes, and the the Giants were on this party during uh, during a crucial week when it was time for the playoffs. I mean, did you really have to party the week before uh, the first playoff game? Uh, what can you say? <laughs> Time to go out of bounds. All right, the St. Louis Cardinals forced to give, this is quite a fine here, uh, forced to give the Houston Astros their top two draft picks plus $2 million for the breach by Chris Correa stealing scouting reports in 2015. Now, the investigation just completed, and that fine has just taken place. I don't know if there's an appeal process that's in motion right now or what, but gosh, man, it's one person's wrongdoing working for his previous employer and really screwed over his new team in the, in the Cardinals big time. It's one person's wrongdoing, man, and that's how much damage somebody can do to a team. Not worth it. Really not worth it. Look, you you know what was in there, having worked for them. Maybe you obtain some new stuff, but look, come on, do your job. You get paid a lot of money. I mean, these scouts really do get paid a lot of money by their teams to, to go out there, scout guys, and help their team succeed. So, shame on them for being lazy. I hate plagiarism and stealing work more than anything. I really do. And I think it's a shame that the Cardinals did that. I really do. By the way, it's not like they got the Rams to root for, so... Uh, that's the only team they got there over in St. Louis. Grayson Allen, I want to touch on him for a moment because ever since that big incident occurred where he tripped the player and was suspended indefinitely, ever since he's come back, there's always a, a microscope on him. People are wondering, did it look like he tried to trip another player? And the media blows it out of proportion. But you know what? As unfair as that sounds... Grayson Allen is now the brand new Ron Artest. Unfortunately, he's going to have to carry this burden with him. Because here's the thing. Ron Artest, Meta World Peace, whatever you want to call him. When he elbowed James Harden, and when he came back from his suspension, there was a, a loose ball that should have been called a jump ball. Instead, they called a foul on Ron Artest. That's the reputation that Ron Artest has in the NBA now. Now, not as much because he doesn't play a whole lot, but still, you guys get the idea. When you have a couple of incidents like that, it's just going to follow you wherever you go. If Grayson Allen looked like he may have tripped someone when he really didn't, referees are just going to call that because that's the reputation he carries now, unfortunately. It's kind of the weird comparison, I guess, where home teams get the get the call Maybe get a little bit of help from the refs, even though it might not be uh, fair. That's just the way it works. Same thing with Grayson Allen, man. Wherever he goes, referees are going to keep a much closer eye on him than they will the other nine guys on the floor because they know he's got a reputation for doing things like this. And there are times where it looked like he may have caused this to happen again. Too bad, man. 
That's why you've got to make sure you don't do anything horrible the first time. I mean, look, everyone, I think people deserve second, third, maybe even fourth chances for certain things, of course. But man, sometimes uh, even a second chance might not be worth it for a lot of people. One foul right there is enough for people to have a strong judgment against you. And look, that's the society we live in. Doesn't It's not fair. Got to deal with it, though. All right, last thing. UFC fighters are out of control. So many of them, uh, so many recent champions, at least. Guys who have recently become a, a new champion, uh, like Amanda Nunes, Cody Garbrandt, Michael Bisping. They all of a sudden feel like they're the top dogs of the sport, and they want to jump to another division and ha- hold two titles. This is because Conor McGregor... He won the featherweight title, never defended it, got the lightweight title, and now he's on a break because his girlfriend is pregnant. Uh, And the reason why is because he doesn't want to put his girlfriend under pressure having to watch him fight. Because for these families, it's hard to watch when they're out there getting hit in the face so much. Uh, But there are so many fighters who want to do what Conor McGregor did. And these guys, listen, these fighters, other fighters, they're not Conor McGregor. But Dana White and the UFC, they let Conor McGregor get out of control and basically do whatever he wants. The guys who have been here much longer, it's kind of it sucks for them because they've worked hard for a long time and haven't gotten the these pretty much the open door that Conor is at. And you know what? That's the UFC's fault for all these fighters getting out of control and wanting to do their own thing. Got to deal with it if you're Dana White. Time to throw some penalty flags. All right, I mentioned earlier that I watched the Royal Rumble during the Pro Bowl, and I'm not a big pro wrestling fan as much as I was when I was younger, uh, but the Royal Rumble's always one of the cooler events. In my opinion, better than WrestleMania because of the way the, the Royal Rumble match itself is structured. I actually did see part of the John Cena and AJ Styles match. I know who John Cena is. AJ Styles, I had heard his name from TNA. But man, those two put on a really great match. And I, I was glad to at least see that. But the Royal Rumble itself was awful. Horrible. First of all, I have to admit, I did not recognize 90% of those fighters. Now, on top of that, Jason David Frank, the original Green Power Ranger, on his Facebook page kept teasing that he was at the Rumble right before the Rumble... He said he had a special project he was doing. Right before the Rumble started, he shoots a video of himself walking around the arena saying, Hey, we're backstage getting food, and the Royal Rumble match is about to start. Okay, everyone at that point thought he was the surprise entrance. There were no surprise entrants this year. I mean, at least bring back Drew Carey for a second time or somebody. Uh, I I don't know. Bring a legend back. I I don't know. Maybe a legend was brought back and I just didn't know. Uh, But I'm fairly... I mean, maybe a Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, somebody. I don't know. Uh, I was pretty disappointed with this Royal Rumble. Uh, It was not fun at all. All right. uh, Second week in a row I'm doing this, but Kansas basketball... Gosh, man, uh, listen, great wins at Kentucky and uh, against West Virginia, or pardon me, Baylor, they lost to West Virginia last week, but gosh, the, the whole Carlton Bragg incident and then the drug paraphernalia 
And now with Gerald Vick and what he's been accused of doing, I know it was more than a year ago, but still, the fact that this just came out there really puts KU Basketball in a bad light. And they've got to really turn this program around because this is not what KU Basketball is about. Uh, KU Basketball, yeah, every program has troubled players and the, the program takes care of it. KU Basketball has not seen this before. And they've got to take care of it right away. Especially with the rape allegation that took place at the basketball dorm room. They've got to they've got to get to the bottom of that and make sure their players are all in the clear from that situation. All right, Falcons offensive coordinator lost his backpack during media availability. People are wondering why do you have your backpack there? Because he has his offensive game plan. Listen, maybe he had to go to the meeting right after media availability. To me, it's why is your backpack not on you? Listen, man, I always carried my laptop in college and my backpack. I never let my backpack go. It was always on me. Not going to risk a single second of that coming off my, uh, away from me, away from my sight, and someone possibly taking it. Keep it on you. Just keep it on you. All right, everyone's favorite governor, Sam Brownback. He's proposed to double taxes on all liquor in the state of Kansas, which would make it 16%. Listen, man, with all the issues we have in our society today, don't don't add to that liquor, man, because people need that stuff sometimes, especially on the weekends after a long week. Especially as a failed leader, man, why are you adding to things? All the times you've sucked. Oh, boy. That's, uh... I can't believe he was voted as a governor. I, I, I really can't. But, hey, uh, our, our country did vote Donald Trump as the president. So, uh... Crazy things have happened. Uh, listen, by the way, uh, I, I, I've always said I don't want to get too political on this podcast, but if it pertains sports, if it affects sports in some way, we, we definitely have to talk about it. And with with Trump's executive order on the immigra- immigration, uh, I mean, that's just... I, I think there are so many people who lack a knowledge of how this country came together and how it was built in the first place. And by the way, let's not forget Donald Trump and uh, how many people has he been married to who are immigrants and his mother? Anyway, I don't want to get too much into that, but still. This this affects sports in a great way, and if you don't think it does, you are poorly misinformed. Think of the sports that we have here in the United States, just in the United States, and how this could impact some sports moving forwards. The the UFC, a global international sport. There are fighters not just in the United States, but in Canada, Mexico, South America, Europe, Asia, everywhere, man. Africa. And there could be some MMA fighters, not just the ones in the UFC. Other MMA fighters at Bellator, WSOF. Guys who, who might be affected by this and can't compete. There are so many international students that we have in our country. And again, not sports, of course, but they're affected by this, too. I mean, who can who can go visit their families? Or if they do visit their families, can they come back to the United States and finish off their school? Uh, you know, I saw an article in the Kansas City Star of a guy who can come back to the United States. His wife is due any moment, and not only is he going to miss his... Uh, the birth of his first child, but not going to be around for the first 90 days. So th- I mean, this is this is really awful stuff. And, and from a sports standpoint, 
think about how this affects whether or not you know some athletes sporting KC or other major league soccer teams. They definitely have some players who are from one of the banned countries that they go home during their time off. People who even just they have work or business to do in those other countries. And just how this impacts sports as a whole. Let's not forget, if the United States wants to have a city be the host uh, of the Olympics or the World Cup, which is such an honor to to be a host for, I think those committees are going to be opposed to having that come to the United States. Maybe even then with all the drama here with the president, maybe the United States might even not be allowed to compete in this I don't think it goes that far because hey look it's the United States they've got some of the best athletes in the world but I, there's no doubt in my mind that it, it could cross their minds and you never want to you never want the committee for the Olympics or the World Cup FIBA whatever it is to think that way about the U.S. let's keep in mind not many people know that by the way my grandpa it's funny he calls me asking if if uh if the, if the, these games were broadcasted, like ESPN would care about this, which they don't. Uh, but but some national or international, I should say, international wrestling and volleyball competitions they take place in Iran. And again, my my grandpa's called me up because there have been times where the U.S. and Iran have played each other in the national championship for men's volleyball. Um, I, I guess it's a big deal there. They, they cover that stuff, but in the United States, it's just it, it, it's not coveted, and I understand that. But st- there are, even though you may not care or I may not care about men's volleyball, there are athletes who who want to be part of that. And now, with all these bans taking place, there's just a lot of unnecessary animosity that's being created and it affects people who want to who want to live their lives or or people who who have families in other countries or or, or you you get the idea and it's it's really putting a bad light on on the united states a, a country that's called the united states um yeah listen we're two weeks into trump's presidency i don't know how this is gonna last for two months uh, I really don't. Um, but uh, look, uh, I mean, the people voted for him. A lot of these protesters, there are so many people who did not vote. And I guarantee you there are people protesting. Uh, and these are the people who did not vote. It's funny. So many of these Bernie Sanders supporters, they, these were the people who didn't think voting was necessary. And look where that got us. So I just hope as a, as a country we've really learned our lesson. And that it really is important to vote. I guarantee you, next election, uh, people are going to vote. They they just will. They have to. We're going to see a smaller percentage of people who did not vote. Uh, I, I promise you. After this, I think uh, I think citizens, uh, anyone eligible to vote, they've learned their lesson for sure. All right, let's end the podcast on a lighter note, shall we? Okay, uh, I, I did not watch the Miss Universe competition hosted by Steve Harvey, and no, he didn't screw anything up. So that's not what this is about. <laughs> but uh, I, I saw an article that talked about some of the questions that were asked, and I get what the, what the point of the Miss Universe pageant, the competition is. I mean, you, you want to find, uh, I guess, some some ambassador of some sort. I don't know exactly, but listen, 
You're not looking for a world dictator or a world leader. Some of these questions, I don't even know why these are being asked. So here's one. Steve Harvey is asking about violence in the in the or, or no pardon me actually uh, we'll get to that one later he's asking about significant change to uh miss philippines what is the most significant change you've seen in the world in the last 10 years okay for someone that's aiming to be miss universe i, I think that's a valid question by the way her answer i'm not going to play it it was terrible uh, she said uh, th- the biggest change is the amount of people she saw at the competition the night of. Uh, why? Wh- I mean, why are you – what does that have to do with change in the last 10 years? <laughs> um, by the way, we, we were just talking ab- about this. The, this was a horrible time to have asked the question about Donald Trump, especially what they asked. Here it is. Arguably – no United States president has had a more active first 10 days in office. What are you most excited about and what most concerns you when it comes to the presidency of Donald Trump? Okay, no matter how you answer that, you're going to piss off somebody because there are people who support him and, and will defend him no matter what he does. And then there are people who absolutely loathe him. Uh, which is uh, yeah, it's a majority of, of the country. But listen, uh, I don't know if these... Qu- I, I'm sure these questions were set up way in advance. Uh, but could they not have changed it after the whole immigration ban, the executive order? Because, th- th- listen, we're again, we're not looking for a world dictator here. We're looking for Miss Universe. Uh, and on top of that, I, I feel like these questions, they're making, they're making them try to come up with these solutions. Here's one. Why do you believe that violence is so prevalent in today's society, and what can we do about it? Okay, th- th- these, are, these are women competing for Miss Universe. They're not trying to be world peacemakers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, w- first of all, if you're going to ask them, what can they do? I'll just say this. the Some of these questions, uh, I could probably answer the one about what's the most significant change. I would, I would have said how we get our news, especially through social media. That's definitely been a huge change in the last 10 years. I, mean, I think everyone's all, everyone, including me, they're sucked into their phones, and that's how they get their news. They're on Facebook or Twitter so many uh, majority of the time. But the question about Donald Trump and the timing of that one and by the way, Miss Kenya, she she responded fairly well to that, saying that she felt like it was it wasn't the choice of many Americans, despite still being elected, and talked about the divide that it's created. Um, but yeah, asking about the violence and what can be done to stop it. I mean, do they truly have the answer as to how you can stop it? Because I, if someone asks me that, I'm going to say I have no idea. Uh, Boy, uh, we, of course, we would all love for it to stop, but but how can you? I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like these are some really asinine questions. There's another one. I don't, I don't have the audio for this, but Miss Thailand was asked, name a current or past world leader you admire and why. If she were to answer anyone other than her own country's leader, wouldn't that just look bad on her? And second of all, if Miss USA was asked this, and she went against, I mean, I know Obama was not very well liked. Trump is definitely not much liked. 
Uh, she ended up saying her own country, uh, which was the king of Thailand, because he quote unquote worked so tirelessly. I think a lot of people work tirelessly. I really do. I think a lot of leaders do, but um, I, I don't know. I just feel like these questions they're kind of asinine and they're really asking them to come up with these instant solutions to some of the world's biggest problems they they, they can't nobody can even our, our world leaders today they can't but hey at least they didn't say this of all the teams that could use an emerging dynamic quarterback nobody in the nfl has more elite players at their disposal than kansas city New England could say, I want a first-round pick, I want Eric Berry, I want Poe in the middle of that defense, and I want Travis Kelsey. And you know what? For Jimmy Garoppolo, you probably do it. Yeah, uh, that, you probably wouldn't do it because two of those players are not under contract. <laughs> uh, but hey, uh, crazy things are, are being said all the time. Uh, sometimes I say crazy things, and I'm, I'm totally comfortable with it. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. You all say crazy things. Be comfortable with who you are. Hopefully that's a lighter way to end the podcast. A lot covered on this podcast. Again, big thank you to all of you who shared the article from cagepages.com that I wrote, that I broke the news, that the UFC is coming to Kansas City. They should make some sort of official announcement, maybe later in the week or on Saturday when they have their fight night when the Korean zombie returns. So stay tuned for that, maybe in the coming weeks, but it should be announced pretty soon because it's about that time where usually in two and a half months they like to announce the events that are coming up. So UFC in Kansas City should be full, uh, announced officially for April 15th. And hey, uh, if they don't, uh, we'll, uh, we'll I'll try to figure out why. But I'm pretty confident with the sources that I have that it'll happen. April 15th, I'm excited for that. I really am. UFC fighters are already, they're already calling each other out for that for that night. There are UFC fighters who want to be on that card, especially from the from Kansas City or in the Midwest. And that's pretty cool that you have UFC fighters who want to be on that specific night. They want to be part of that Kansas City event. That's pretty cool. It kind of makes me want to be fans of those fighters. It really does. My name is Farzim Vesugian. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Chiefs on Podcast, a jam-packed edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. Be sure you are subscribed to the podcast. If you're new, please subscribe. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast if it's your first time listening. Let a friend know about it on social media. Speaking of social media, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You can also like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzinevesugian. Until then, enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend. Talk to you guys next week and after the Super Bowl. And next week might be the last time we do the podcast for a little bit at least. Uh, Got to take a little bit of a break with the podcast and maybe a week or two off. And after that, we'll come back. We'll touch on some Chiefs news. Hopefully have some scouts on to talk about the Chiefs and what they could do in the draft and what they could do through free agency. All of that. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Take care. Talk to you next week.